Welcome to Building Dreams, an insider's guide to home building with Timberblock. I'm Penny Carrick. And I'm Curtis McCurry. Thank you for listening. Welcome to episode two of Building Dreams. We're really excited to be here. If you missed part one, it was a good one. We talked about everything that we're going to talk about all season long. And we're really getting into it. We're going from the beginning of the construction process all the way through all the steps and actually even beyond. We're going to have special guests and all that sort of thing. So yeah, definitely check out part one. Right. But today for episode two, we are talking all about pre-construction. Pre-construction is massive. It is such a big part of the whole process. So this is actually pre-construction part one. Right. Yes. Yeah. Pre-construction is really, really important. And it's one of those things that not everybody thinks about when they go into this process to start it. Um, it's really easy to make a decision that here's the home I want to build or here's the piece of property or here's the area I want to live in. But even after you've made some decisions, there's a whole lot of things that need to take place that need to fall in line before anybody ever swings a hammer or brings any piece of equipment onto your property. And we want to help guide you through that process. So um, there are some things that we're going to talk about that you may feel comfortable doing on your own. But then there's some things that we're going to discuss, some steps that you may want to get some professional help with. And we're going to help guide you through that so you can make that best decision for yourself. That's right. And one of those big things are definitely budgeting. You really need to know what going into all of this, what your budget is or have a really good, strong idea of budgeting. So let's talk about that and the importance of determining your budget. Right. It is really the most important part of the entire process is to know and understand what your budget is. And it's not always the most comfortable thing to discuss and talk about, especially in the very beginning when you're not really sure of the professionals that you're going to work with and you're interviewing different people to help you with your project. It's not comfortable for a lot of people to share their financial goals or what their true budget is, but it's really important that you're honest with yourself when it comes to what your true budget is and that you have some knowledge about what the costs are associated with your build, at least in the background. So knowing your budget, knowing how much money you can invest in your dream home or in this investment property or in your vacation home, Knowing how much money you could comfortably invest is really important. And it's also important that once you come up with that number, that you also allow yourself a little bit of buffer just in case, because you may see something that you absolutely have to have that you never thought about when you were doing your initial analysis. And now it's going to be a little bit more expensive for you to do that project. There's certain delays. There's things about your property that, you're, you'll never know until you actually start excavating if you're doing a basement, for example. So, um, you know, those hidden costs, those hidden uh, ideas that, that, that could come into your, uh, into your mind that you're not even thinking about now, those things, you need to be able to account for those. So when you're talking about buffering and like making sure you have a 
a little bit more in that budget. Right. How, how does somebody know what that is? How much that is? Is it a percentage or is it a, how do they know? Well, a good policy is to have a percentage. And what I usually will recommend is that a person will take his total project cost and have about two to 3% extra. Okay. Right. Because even if you're not using it for overages or the things that come up, you know, you still have to furnish a new home. You right. still have to have some, you know, your, your plants and your flowers and, and different things that you want to make it personal for you. And that just allows you that extra, that extra to be able to do that. You know, the, the you don't want a beautiful home and then no place to sit, you know, or, or yeah. no, no television or no flowers or not being able to have art on the wall. So those are things that, you know, if you have that little bit of a buffer, if you have to use it, it's an insurance policy. And if you don't use it, then it's money that you could, you know, further enhance your dream home. That's great. Yeah. And we get that question a lot. And we ask that question a lot. And like you said, it may be an uncomfortable question, but it's so, so important. So, and then, and then once you determine that budget or you have that great idea of your budget, then what's the next step? Well, the next step is, is that you have to figure out how you're going to pay for this, right? So right. what you can afford is different than, um, you know, it's what we're talking about is financing, right? So how are you going to pay for your vision, right? You have an overall budget. You know what your expected costs are going to be. You know what you can afford to build and what you're comfortable building. Um, so what's the next steps in financing? So it's great if you can pay cash. It's fantastic. Most people can't do that. But if you can, it's great because now you don't have financing charges. You don't have interest rates. Interest rates have been a hot topic over the last year because they're, you know, they're much more now than they were a year and a half, two years ago. Um, still historically low, even at seven plus percent. But it's one of those things that makes a difference, right? But if you are going to finance, that's the time that you're going to need to speak to a professional in that field. And you either are looking at if you're buying existing or, or you're buying from a builder that's building on a lot, then you're going to finance the whole thing in, in a mortgage. Um, but if you're building a home and uh, you're going to use a construction loan, right? And so you want to talk to a lender that'll specialize in construction loans and then Hopefully, the lender that you speak with, there's a lot that are out there that will convert that construction loan directly into a mortgage with a one-time closing fee. And there are a lot of resources to help you there as well. Sure. Right? Because you might not know where to go, but there are, I mean, that's what we're here for. That's what, you know, there's professionals out there. So no worries. People don't have to worry about where they're going to go for that because there's answers out there. Absolutely. Um, the you, you talked about, you talked about, um, the builder and a builder is going to help you through this. And this is um, the whole pre-construction process is like we said, really big and really important. We've got the budget. We got the financing huge right now. Who is going to build my home? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a big, big step, right? As choosing your builder. There's a few things that, um, that I do personally and that I um, recommend to our clients that come to us. So, just a little bit of background. Um, so I'm a general contractor in North Carolina. I'm a licensed general contractor in North Carolina. And with Timberblock, wherever we have a physical presence, and that's North Carolina, 
um, Ontario, Quebec. We have a dealership in Arizona and Colorado and in uh, the New England states in Massachusetts where we have that physical presence. We can do a full turnkey build, design build. So we call it trees to keys. Um, so the whole entire process. The turnkey. Yeah, it's turnkey. And outside of those areas throughout the rest of the U.S. and Canada, we work with our clients to do the design work, provide a package of materials, and uh, we'll help them. If they don't have a general contractor, we'll help them to be able to secure a general contractor, do some research on them. And what I typically will advise our clients is that there's a few things that you really want to steps of evaluating a general contractor. To work. This is where you want to take some time. You absolutely want to take some time and not make a decision. Now, one of the challenges in recent years is because there's such a high demand uh, for new construction and there's a low supply out there of existing homes, um, you know, we're, we're in a market right now to where it's the lowest level of houses on the market that we've ever seen, yeah. ever seen, right? It's the lowest level. Um, so building new is where a lot of people are turning to, to be able to, because there's just not the homes on the market. Uh, the homes on the market, the number of days right now, it's under 20 days across the U.S. Wow. So houses go on the market, they're snapped up. So the demand is still there despite the interest rates. Um, which also means that home prices are still elevated despite the interest rates. So those are just economic factors that don't change, you know, that they'll always be with us. So you need to really take your time to make the right decision because the decision is really going to be one that is about your comfort level and about their qualifications. So I look for three really main areas of a general contractor when we're evaluating them for our clients. The first one is their competence, right? Because it doesn't matter how nice the person is or, or how good hearted they are, but if they don't have the, the experience and the skill set to be able to be a professional in their field, then obviously you want to avoid that. So one of the things that I do is I typically will, um, you know, we'll, we'll do a, we'll, we'll ask general contractors to give us some references. So I want to know where they're building, first off. Um, you know, if you ask them for references from clients that they've worked with, they're going to give you, it's good to do that, but they're going to give you the people that they know they're going to get a good recommendation for. It's kind of like on a, on a resume, a job resume. Sure. You know, yeah. You're going to, you're going to make sure you put down the names and number of the people that are, you know, going to give you a good resume. And then you're going to call them and say, Hey, by the way, somebody may be calling you. So that's good, but it doesn't get to the heart of mm -hmm. it. Right. But the one thing that does is their pass fail rate on their inspection record. Okay. Most places that is public record, right? Because it happens with a municipality. So you know that if you check with that municipality, how many inspections that under their general contractor license are they passing? What their pass rate is, what their failure rate is, what the failures are. So that speaks to their competence, right? So you can get this online, you can phone them up? It depends on the municipality, okay. it depends on the county typically or the, or the province. So, um, but a lot of them will have it online that you can just, it's public record. But because it is public record, then you can also just call that, uh, that building department and ask. And it's know. a simple pass fail? 
Normally, there is a rate. There's a pass-fail rate. Okay. It'll give you a record of the inspections of their most recent projects. And that's really what you're looking for. Wow. So, okay. yeah, that's, that's the first thing that I would do. Um, the other thing that we like to do also is that we're asking for trade references. So a trade reference is somebody that they typically will have credit with. You know, so a lumber yard, for example, that they're getting materials from, building materials. And I call. You know, I call, I check those references. I want to know if they're paying their bills and if they're paying them on time. You know, so if they're hesitant about sharing information about their suppliers, that's a red flag. Big time. If they're hesitant about letting you know where they build, that's a red flag. Uh, but for sure, what I have found through my experience is that suppliers are going to absolutely tell you if they don't pay their bills. Well, for sure, because <laughs> yeah. they don't want yes. this to happen to anyone else, right. right? Exactly. And they don't want you to give to give them more work that yeah. they're not going to pay their bills right. on, right? So, um, so yes, well, it's, that's great. they're completely honest when it comes to that, for the most wow. part. Um, so that, and that speaks to their back office. Sometimes it doesn't mean that they're a bad builder. It just means that maybe they're not organized enough. And it's kind of a red flag as you're moving forward in this really, really important project with someone who's not that organized that they can't pay their bills on time. So that's, that's a, that's a really big concern for us. Um, and then I also like to, I check their professionalism. And to me, one of the ways that I do that is I will check with local home builders associations just to see, are they a member of any trade association? Now it doesn't guarantee anything as far as their competence or whether or not they pay their bills. Those are things that you still have to check. Do they have to? Is it a requirement? It's not, a, it's not a requirement. It's just something that a lot of times will put them over the top in my eyes oh, yeah. so I can make that easier recommendation because I'm a member of the National Association of Home Builders, Timber Block, uh, you know, they sit on, you know, boards and we're really active in that. And it's a trade organization that helps the industry. So if you're, if you're not a member of a local trade association or at least active and trying to help the industry move forward, it doesn't mean that you're a bad builder, but the people who are doing that, it speaks to the, the, their love of construction, their love of the industry. And they're putting in more effort. And they're passionate about what they do. Yeah. So I always kind of look for that just to see if, they are, um, if they're involved and in, in making things better for everyone. So what if you have check, 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 check on all those things and you meet? I mean, you have to kind of mesh. Sure, yeah, and I, I, I liken it to like your doctor right? There's yeah. a lot of qualified doctors that are out there, extremely qualified. Like it's a, it's a tough thing to get a medical degree, right? It's a tough thing to be a practicing physician, but they all don't have the right bedside manner for you. You know, it may be, it may be that they're perfect for someone else, but for you, you just don't like them. You just don't communicate well. You don't like their personality. It's, it, you know, maybe not quite as vitally important as your own doctor, but you're going to spend a lot of time with this person over the next several months. So knowing what their personality type is and being able to work with that personality type, you know, it's, it's really, really important because you don't want oil and water. You know, if that because no matter what, what they do, you're going to be upset with and no matter what you do, they're going to be upset with if your personalities don't mesh. And 
that just makes sense. It makes sense, right? You know, yeah. it's it's a it's a long term relationship at that point, so you need to kind of get along. So yeah. those are things that we kind of look for. We'll typically vet two to three, um, you know, general contractors for our clients, and we'll do an interview with them, or we'll we'll hook them up and let them talk and communicate. And just like meeting someone for the first time, you usually have a good feeling right, right away. You know, it's it's one of those things as instinctively human that the people that we're going to mesh with, we usually do it pretty quickly. So that part of it is is uh, is is one of those things that you really can't do it, uh, you know, for someone. You really have to get them two together to see how that works. Because I could mesh with with a GC, but my client may not. And that's another thing. So also, you're meshing with them. You're spending all this time. And that's kind of where you get into the whole communication. Right. We touched a little bit on communication and knowing how to communicate with each other because you are spending all these months together. That's going to be important. It is. It's really important. And it's really important to do that right up front, to, to, to set those expectations right up front and to hold to them. Because remember that you have a life to live. So when you're thinking about something, you want an answer right away. But remember that that general contractor, he's building your home in a certain way because he's you're paying him to do that. And he has a sequence of activities that he's he's yeah. making happen. Uh, but he also has a life, right? So, right. so at, at three o'clock in the morning, he's not likely to answer your call, right? So, but if you know what those um, limitations are and what those communication expectations are up front, it's really going to save you moving forward. Some of my clients um, are, you know, they, they really love to text. And that's the, if I call them, they're not likely to answer the telephone. An email just goes into spam at this point because we only, only exclusively right. communicate through text. Um, but then I have clients that don't text me, right? I'm not, I don't see, it depends on what their communication preferences are and they want a phone call. And some clients don't want to hear from you at all unless there's a scheduled meeting. So you just kind of have to set the, and nothing is wrong or nothing is right as long as you're respecting the boundaries of both sides. So you just have to establish what those rules are going to be up front and know how that we're going to communicate. And that way you're not in the dark ever by lack of communication. Um, because one party may think that, yeah, everything is going well, and the other party hasn't heard from you in, in a period of time. And sometimes silence is worse than bad news. So right. you got to be able to establish those, um, those communication patterns up front. And that goes back to what I said at the beginning, where it was this, you have to spend time on this, because I feel sometimes you might go, oh my gosh, I feel bad that I just went through all these steps with this person and I just did this again, you know, should I just go with the first guy? And I, yeah, we're kind of, I mean, you yeah. really want to spend the time. You, you, this is your builder in your dream home yep. and they want the same thing for you. They want it to go well as well. Right. And ultimately it's your decision. You know, you, you get, you get recommendations and you talk to people and you do the interviews, but you know, this is your, your home. Right. So it's, it's going to be your decision as to who you want to move forward with. 
And um, it's a really important decision. So it's not one that you want to just jump in or just say, yep, I love it here. He's able to do it during this time. That's another thing too. Uh, you want to be able to make sure that they're meeting the time expectations and what's his load, you know, what's his volume, you know, how many is he built currently building? Um, what's the schedule like? Can he take on a new project? Um, you know, some, some folks have a hard time saying no, uh, but knowing that they can't move forward exactly when they, you know, when they, when you're expecting them to move forward. So timing is really, really important as far as getting started. Communication is important. Uh, but those are all things that you're deciding in this pre-construction phase. Uh, you're putting your team together. That's what you're doing. So you're, you're assembling all the pieces on the chessboard to know that here's what's going to happen because you've already defined your goal as to what you want to accomplish. And now you're putting the pieces together to get you to that, to that end. Great advice. We, you, you talked a little bit about the higher pricing earlier on. Right. And, um, and as we talked about in episode one, we're going to always end our episodes with the most asked question sure. that's been recent. This isn't really a question. I think because you touched on this earlier, mm. one of the things that, and we all keep hearing from a lot of people is higher pricing and they go, well, you know, right now the pricing is, I, I, I'm going to wait a little bit. So what's, what's the answer to that? Well, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's really easy to answer this question because it comes, it does come up. I get asked this all the time and people are making these decisions of, you know, especially this time of year, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, you know, prices are going to come down for whatever reason. You know, people have these different ideas of home prices are overinflated because you hear a lot of news stories and, uh, you know, just recently, last, you know, just recently, uh, there was a news article that talked about how home prices are at an all-time high, all-time high, right? They've never been this high. But, you know, they could redo that news article almost monthly, almost yearly, because it's a steady pattern of home valuations and home prices increasing. Now, there's a lot of different things in the economy that, will, that can change and that do change. Um, we know that interest rates are... You know, higher now than they were two years ago, for mm -hmm. example. Um, interest rates are more than double what they were two years ago. So, and they went up in a very short period of time. So interest rates are extremely high. Logically, you think that with the higher interest rates, fewer homes on the market, home prices may come down. But the reality is, is that demand is what controls home prices. So with the higher demand, with less homes on the market, prices, they can't do anything except go up, right? It's the only, it's the only out because there's more people that want this product versus the amount of product that's on the market. So home prices continue to rise. Now, what happens when interest rates go down? Well, the people who are waiting are now back in the market. So there's even more demand at this point. Right. So what happens to home prices? They go up, yeah, right. So it doesn't matter what happens with with things in the economy. And honestly, we've we've looked at this in depth because we really need to know from our you know our business model and our business standpoint how to plan for the future. There's a lot of things that we don't know. We don't know about political stability. We don't know about interest rates. We don't know about 
um, you know, a recession or any of those items that are possibilities that, that come and go. But the one constant is that home prices are going to go up. So if you're waiting for home prices to go down because of something that's going to happen in the economy, what you're doing is you're missing out on the equity that you would have been building by waiting. So if anybody ever asked me, when is the right time to buy a new home or to build a new home? It's the answer is always right now, because right now it's going to be worse tomorrow, but it's going to be worse than that the day after. Right. Right. So it's right now is the best time because nothing trumps equity. And we see that because right now in the U.S. at least, um, there's over half of the homes in the U.S., the entirety of the homes has positive equity, meaning that there's less owed on those homes than the values. More than 50% of the homes in the U.S., the what is owed on their mortgages is less than what their homes are worth that remaining part. So their equity far exceeds, um, you know, it's, it's, we, we've always said that buying a home, building a home is the best investment that anybody could ever make. And it proves itself over and over again. Wow. That's, I mean, this is so good to know. And if anybody wants to talk more about this with you, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Co contact us anytime really for anything to talk about yeah. when it comes to all of these things that we talked about today. Um, now we talked about this being pre-construction episode one. We're going to go into pre-construction episode two, part two. Right. So episode three, part two. And uh, we're going to go and dive really deep into the design process because that's just as big as well. So that's what we can look forward to next time. So in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us for episode two of Building Dreams. We're excited to for the next one. And uh in the meantime, you can follow us on all social media platforms and, of course, on our website at timberblock.com and anywhere you listen to podcasts.